Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Watchdogs. Welcome to another edition of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. I am joined again today by Titus of the MVM Show Podcast and Mid Valley Mercenary uh, YouTube channel. We're he has been a friend of mine for a few years. We love talking to each other, so we just decided let's do a marathon. And so this is our number. Shoot, we we started at ten, and now it's one fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> we've taken a couple of breaks and we're just this is what if titus was in town and we we're hanging out this is probably what we'd be doing anyway except answering <laughs> questions we'd be talking about waterfowl hunting. yeah so that's what we're doing here today titus how do you feel like the content's going today i it's not even phasing me to be honest with you <laughs> i don't know how, how are you feeling and this happens to me all the time with podcasting. So we had talked about like six hours and, oh, we can do that. We can do that. And like a couple of days out, it just seems like, oh my gosh, that's like a long time. Yeah. But as soon as you sit down and start talking about duck hunting, I could do this forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. So we've got a bunch of questions and I will say any of these questions that Titus and I um, answer. If you have any input on these or have follow-up questions, I do a section called comment of the week, and I'm always looking for more comment of the weeks to highlight. So you can find me on Instagram at freelance duck hunting. You can find Titus at mid Valley mercenaries, Facebook group. Both of us have Facebook groups. Mine's the North American waterfowler. Titus is, is the MVM show, right? Yeah. MVM show podcast. Contact group. us. We love to be contacted. It's oh, one yeah. of the, it's, it's one of the wonderful things about doing content, whether it's YouTube channel or podcasts, is we love hearing from people. So if there's yep. anything you feel like we've either gotten wrong or that you disagree with, yes, yeah. you are act respectful because surprise, surprise, some people don't act respectful. 
but we would love to hear your input. We love hearing from people. So don't hesitate to reach out to us on any of the information that you hear. So let's go ahead yeah. and jump right into this market underscore a, would you ever try open water layout boat hunting for divers? Now you've done this, haven't you Titus? He said lay, layout boat layout hunting for divers. For open, yeah. Layout boat hunting for divers. Open water. Yeah. Yep. I've done, I did that in Wisconsin actually. Tell, tell uh, me, I, I know I watched that video. I should go back and watch it. Can you just kind of give us your experience? I've never done it. My answer is absolutely. I would love to do it. If I die and I've never done it, I'm going to be disappointed, but yeah. t- tell me about your experience with that. It's fun. Like we, we had a blast. Uh, I did it with my brother and a, an, another friend of mine that invited us out there because one of my, at the time, my bucket list bird that I really wanted to get was a Harlequin or an old, or I'm sorry, not a Harlequin, an old squaw or now they call it long tail politically correct, I guess. But yeah, I really wanted an old squat and I seen his video on YouTube and he was doing the layout boat hunting in, um, is it Lake Michigan? I think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that, that is something I want to do. And we got to chatting through YouTube actually, and then exchanged phone numbers and got talking on the phone and we went out there and his buddy is a guy blue ribbon. I think it's blue ribbon outdoors. Uh, he's still very active. He guides through the summer. He guides year round. He does fishing trips and he does duck hunts. And he's like, yeah, we'll give you a, a super killer deal. Come out here. And we went with him and he's a, we're still friends actually with all of them. He's trying to get us to go back out there and do some more hunting, but it's an, it's a, it's an experience. I'll give you a, a couple of things here. So there's a big difference between going ocean layout boat hunting and Lake. Now, when you're in Lake Michigan, you feel like you're in the ocean. I mean, it's so big. You can't see, you go out far enough. You don't see land anywhere around you. Mm-hmm. And now what the funny thing about that is, and I did not know that until he told me, I said, man, I'm really nervous about getting seasick. Like just because of the trough and the waves. I mean, you look like you feel like you're in the ocean. He's like, well, you're not going to get sick. And I'm like, how do you know that? I, yeah, I get sick. I went deep sea fishing. He said, no, he said the, the uh, wake and how the chop is in a lake even though it's huge, is different than in the ocean. I'm like, hmm. really? He said, yes, an ocean is very consistent in how it rocks. He goes, that's what makes you sick. In a lake, it could chop, chop, smooth out, chop, chop, you know, whatever. And he goes, I, and I, I didn't. Me or Thomas, my Thomas or myself did not get sick. And he goes, he never, never, ever gets anybody sick. And Elliot, I'm telling you, we had, we had three-foot rollers out there. Hmm. Like, it was kind of weird because you're laying flat in this boat with a two man flat, you know, layout boat. And you're like the boat, the main boat that's way out there, maybe like a quarter mile away, you'll see it and then it disappears. <laughs> and then you'll see it and it disappears. <laughs> uh-huh. And so then when you're trying to shoot, your accuracy is it's so hard because you, you're trying to shoot out of something that you're doing this, right? And you're getting those birds are decoying close. I mean, those. Those divers, they come in right in your decoys, and they're so close. But because you have that rocking motion, your shooting stats are not good. You do not – that's if you're trying to bring your average up, that is not the place. So when you shoot. go to shoot, your gun is just swaying? Yeah, because, oh, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, you're you're just laying. And I'm sure there's times when you go out there, it's pretty calm. But yeah. I would imagine it's more often not calm than it is. That would definitely add a, a bit of oh, difficulty. Yep. How many birds did you guys shoot on that day? Uh, we shot our limit. It was I think their limit was. Let me, no, don't quote me. I think it's six. 
I think it's six, five or six. I can't remember, but we all shot our Harlequins. Um, I think most, uh, pretty much all Drakes too. I mean, uh, not Harlequins. I keep saying that old squad. Mm-hmm. Now that was specific. Like you're out in the middle of nowhere um, with old squad. You don't even have to get up as early, which is kind of weird. Like they don't really start flying good till like, you know, kind of later in the morning, like eight or nine o'clock. So it wasn't a huge rush to get out there. Plus it's so big. You're not racing people. You're not fighting anybody. I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He just knows where to go. You set up your decoy and you'll start seeing him in the distance. Big old group, right. 10, 20, 30 birds. And they see you from way out there and they come in. And then um, they come in low. They they all just come low right off the water. Yeah, yeah. And they'll catch you off guard too because you're kind of set right, just like a blind, like a layout blind on the ground. You're layout blind in the boat, so you're not really able to see back of your right or left shoulder. And they'll just come in sneaking right behind you too sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's a challenge. Uh, We did some layout boat hunting for some other divers like redheads and cans like that in a different bay and stuff. That was fun, but I wouldn't say it's like my favorite hunting, but I. It's duck hunting, so I love it. Yeah. Probably worth the experience worth having, right? Yeah. Okay. Tyler Fortin asks, he's looking for a good 18-foot flat bottom. Do you recommend any brand? Now, this is a great question for you because you've shopped around in the last few years. You bought one boat, then you switched to another boat. So in all your research, what would you recommend or what are some good options for him? I don't know. You know, it's kind of like what – what's your price range? Are you trying to get into it for cheap? Are you wanting to go all out? Um, I don't know. I'm probably not the main guy to ask that kind of question because I'll just say whatever suits you. You know what I mean? Like, what do you have? What, what, what are the two a, boats you've had? I had a Gator tail. I had a Gator tail. Um, I think it was a 2021 Gator tail with, um, or maybe 2020. And it was a 1754, uh, which 17, is 17 foot long, 54 inches wide. That's wide. It's a wide boat. I swapped to Pro Drive this before season this year. We went and picked it up. Solar Gator Tail. No problems with it. Love that boat. Served us very well. Um, never left a strand or anything, which is newer boat, so it shouldn't, hopefully. But we swapped to Pro Drive, which is more of an outboard kind of design on the motor. It's still a surface drive. Um, and we just did that just to try something else out. And, you know, there was no, everyone think there was something wrong with the gator tail. No, uh, but this is what we did with this one. And I'm wondering if we're going to regret it. And I haven't even told you this yet. We got an 1848. Mm. Okay. That being said, I took it fishing at the lake the other day and it was pretty windy. There was some good chop on the water. Nothing crazy though. A foot and a half chop. And the wind was blowing pretty hard. I was getting pretty wet really? on the boat ride, moving around and going back to the launch. And I thought, uh-oh, I think that that six inches difference in the width of the boat is going to make a difference this year. I, I think we're going to get, it has nothing to do with the brand, but I think we're going to get icicled up this year during hmm. hunting if it's cold enough. I really, I, I hope not, but from what I've already, I've never got spray on me with that gator tail and it was just because it was a 54 this is a 48 and there's reasons i went more narrow like that but i would told thomas i go eh, i could see us switching back to 54 down the road a little bit because it is wide and i, I we wanted the narrow narrowness to get through some tight stuff in california that has toolies and mm-hmm. it's just it just squeezes through better but i'm like man you know i don't know if i want to be getting misted when it's 15 degrees out and you're going 30 miles on a boat 
30 miles per hour. I wonder but, if the motor has to play, because I know we've got an 1854 weld built and we get spray. Do you? We, our motors are, I think we have a 35 horse. So it's not quite as big uh, motor as what you've got. So I wonder if the motor plays into that as well as the width, but there's times we get spray for sure. Not, not, yeah. not, not most of the time, but depending on the wind and the way we're hitting the angle in which we're hitting the waves. I know. I thought makes it a big was, difference. Cause it's a little bit, it's a double, double trine or triple trine, which is on the bottom edge of it. I'm thinking, okay, a lot of us, if you think about when it kicks water up and where it kicks it up at mm-hmm. is all about how you have it trimmed. Right. So I'm wondering if the trim difference is what's making that kind of splash up or if it's the narrowness. I think it's- Well, also the direct, like if you hit waves straight on yeah, well, and the wind plays into it too, because if does, you hit waves sure. straight on and it's heavy wind, then it's blown up. But wind aside, if you hit waves at an angle, you're going to get more spray than if you hit them straight on. Yeah. Um, has been my, uh, my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little thing. It's just something I thought of that I didn't notice on the last one. But- right. Man, to answer that question, it's just kind of like, what's your budget look like? You know, I mean, my right. goodness, I, I, I've heard of this. I've, I've heard Prodigy and some of these other boats, man, they're sitting 40, 50,000. I just can't, <sighs> even if I was getting sponsored and they were giving me a deal, I just could not. I just, I don't know if I could just, that. yeah, I, but I mean, it, each to his own. I mean, if you got the money and you love the duck hunt, why not? Who cares? People spend it on cars and trucks that. I don't think bring you as much joy as duck hunting does. So, Hey, yeah. why not? Dr- but then at the same time, my buddy, I talked him into getting a boat last year. It cost him $1,200. It had a 10 power, 10 horse Johnson on it. It was 16 foot long aluminum V bottom. Mm-hmm. And he killed a lot of ducks out of that last year. Yeah. I told him if it wasn't for getting working with companies and have my brother to split costs with me, I said, that's exactly what set up. I'd be getting mm-hmm. Why not? Why, why do I need this big, crazy setup and spend so much money? You know. Well, I, I've seen yours, and and it has made me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Ours is, and this my dad bought it years ago, but it's more of I think of it as like a cargo. It's like there's no decks on it. Uh, yeah. There's one up at the front of it. Really, it's just like it holds a ton of crap. Yeah. And it's bare bones, and it's it's built really strong. It's a weld built, and it's a safe boat with high sides, but yeah. I look at yours with the lights and the nice decks and I'm like, yeah. that boat is sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice boat, but yeah, I, I, I'd say with Titus is whatever, you know, look at your budget first and then start looking in that price range, but you can't really, there's no like red flag, like, Oh, these no. suck. they're all going to take care of business and get, and get the job oh, yeah. done. You can find them cheap or you can get them expensive. A golden boy bought a 16 foot, isn't kind of old, but it's done the job for him, and it was really inexpensive. An old one, just a used one, so it, it just just depends. Did right? he buy it this year? Or? Last he had it last year. Oh, he yeah, it, okay, yeah, off Facebook Marketplace. Yep. Um, he's now he still has such a tiny long shaft. I don't think he can, but it's a really really light light boat. But I don't want a really really light boat like on the Kansas River where you're yeah. breaking through ice. We can break yeah. ice with our boat, and I don't worry about it. You get something that's paper thin, you don't want to you don't want to break ice. Um, have you ever done that with your boat? Like when you're on, you're well, actually breaking it as you go. The, the exact same boat. Yes. We, well, we did it with our gator tail. We haven't done it with this one, uh-huh. but I did it with my buddies pro drive two years ago, the exact same, basically boat and same size. And it and was not it skim was, ice, but like inch, no, 
Right. No, it was like I was actually surprised he was going into it because I mean it was like, yeah, it was big chunks, and I'm like, yeah, uh, you don't. I guess you've done this before because I don't think I would have did it. I don't want a razor thin boat, uh, light boat in that. No, 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 no way. Yeah, that was I had nerves. I would have never, never attempted that until I seen what he did with it. I'm like, okay, I kind of know my limits there, and that turned out to be two days of the most epic hunting ever mm-hmm. I've ever experienced. But yeah, you gotta be careful. Yeah, you do. It's it's kind of spooky to go to break ice like that because I know there has to be a certain, obviously, certain depth of ice that your boat's just going to slide on, and there you are. <laughs> and then, so, yeah, then when you, you don't want to do it on plane, you want to go nice and slow yeah. so that as your as your boat comes up on the ice, it should break it under. It should the weight of it should break the ice underneath you. And if you get up on plane and do that, no, don't don't do that. <laughs> that's a good that's a really good point to bring up elliot and safe point for all all to remember that honestly just go because if you're creeping at idle and you immediately realize that oh man as the boat's getting up here it's not breaking you can probably get out of the situation Mm -hmm. because the back end of you is still going to probably be on water and yeah and uh, it's kind of a creepy thing to break ice but sometimes man sometimes it's the deal yeah all right this one's from bradley bosman natural blinds how much is too much and how little is not enough. So I think just the conversation around brushing with natural, um, natural cover. Yeah. I mean, can you have too much Elliot? I think that there was one hunt that I was on where it was Dan and Aiden and my dad and I were on a Lake Cove and there was trees up to the edge of the water and there was a bunch of grass on the ground. It was like really, I don't know what it was like really yellow yellowish and is the kind you could just like pick it up in big handfuls you didn't mm-hmm. it was so easy you just grab big handfuls off the ground and so we made blinds out of the stuff and the sun was right in our face we made blinds of it and the blinds i were fantastic but the ducks absolutely would not would not finish i mean like what in the world these blinds are great we're completely covered and i went out we did shoot a few and i went out 70 yards when I turn around and looked at us and these blinds just looked completely out of place. Hmm. I mean, something about the color was so, too much. I think it color? was, yeah, I think it was, I think it was definitely too much. Now, if we had gone less, would we have decoyed them? When you have the sun in your face, it's difficult. But hmm. from that point, we pulled that down. We backed up into the trees, like 20 yards and the very next group finished hmm. perfectly. So, and I know they weren't seeing us because I mean, we, this stuff was so easy to pick up that yeah. you could just make it and maneuver it however you wanted. And so there's, I can't imagine they were seeing us. It was something about how those were set that just didn't look right. Kind of like a big boat blind. Sometimes if it's like square and it's just something about it looks wrong. That was the case with this. I would say on that day, we definitely, in that situation, it was too much. That makes sense though, because. If it's a big blob, even if it's the natural cover, I, I could see where that would stick out. Yeah. I was still surprised because in my mind, in my way of thinking, natural <laughs> should be natural. And mm-hmm. if you, in fact, I remember watching a, a duck commander one time where Willie or Jason, one of them was saying they were having an argument about colors and they were like, well, colors don't matter if it's natural, it's natural. One of them was saying that and the other one was saying, no, I want these colors to mix in with everything. And so they were having this conversation right. and this debate about colors. And I've always kind of leaned on the side of, hey, if it's natural, it looks natural, it doesn't matter. And I think ultimately I would probably still 
lend on that side of it. But if, if I would much rather, if you have a color, let's say you have like a smart weed red and everything around you is green. Maybe mm. if the small movements you do make with your head or your hands, they'll see better because maybe they're keyed into that difference. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? No, I agree with you. That, that does make sense. I think so. I'm with you on that for sure. No doubt. But generally speaking, um, you want more than less. Yeah. As uh, a general rule. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm thinking even too, if we, if you're like in a boat blind, I mean, I definitely don't want to have less. I'd rather have more if I had to pick, you know, mm. cause to hide something like that definitely matters. But we, last year we hunted a lot of our boat blind, which is never happens. It was more locally during the flood mm. waters and all that stuff. And we did it the best we could, but the water was too deep to actually get out and do stuff to it. We kind of had to do it all from the inside of the boat. And it definitely wasn't like I wanted it, but it was, it was working and they were just getting coined in close. So I just guess you got to kind of gauge the temperature of the ducks and what's, what's working. Right. Yeah. And I, and I would say if ducks aren't finishing the first thing that you take care of is your hide. Yeah. That's number one. It's not yeah. decoys. It's yeah. not calling the number. It's not spinner. Number one, every time should be walk out into your decoys. Yep. Even if you walk out 60, 70 yards, turn around, look at it, walk to the right 50 yards, look at it, walk to the left 50 yards, look at it with your buddies in the blind. You want to see what their faces look like. Yep. You want to see and, and take care of that. Right. And I am horrible about this, Titus. Inevitably, I get... I love it when Dan and Aiden go with me because they're really good at brushing and I hate brushing. Mm -hmm. It's just a nuisance to me. Mm -hmm. So inevitably I have to keep adding brush. And then by like, after I've screwed up several flocks now, we're yeah. done. now we're now it's done. Right. Yeah. I know. So I need someone with me that is like, Hey, I'll go do all the decoys. I'll set up all the, the jerk rigs. You just do hide. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, I, I chuckled to myself the other day. I was watching something to hunt. Um, and these guys were like in one of those stand-up blinds on a bank and they're all standing up in the stand-up blind, chest up is totally exposed. <laughs> and they're like, the birds aren't doing it. Why are the birds not doing it? And I mean, and they go, oh, let's move the decoys. I'm like, go stand in the decoys and look back at you guys. You look like a bunch of bobbleheads in there. Like, That's what's scaring the ducks. Yeah. And it's cracked me up. I love it when I'm like in a layout boat and there's another guy 200 yards away. And from my layout boat, I can see him playing this day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, oh my dude, goodness. If I can see you from my layout boat, trust me, these ducks are seeing you. <laughs> oh my word. And I, I have the air view because I fly for a living. Right. So uh -huh. I see stuff from the air. I'm like, man, alive. I can't believe how good you can see that. You know? So I put myself in the bird's shoe. I'm like, you go over a refuge. And fly over that and look down and you're like, oh, my goodness, these guys. Or look at drone footage. I mean, like, you just don't realize how much you really got to hide from birds. They, I'd say more often than not, they see us. They yeah. see us, you know. Now, I noticed you guys. So it seems like your number way of concealment is just back in the tulies. When we when we hunt in the grasslands, grasslands with tulies, yes. That, that, see, that's the hard part with the tulies, though, because we always – we say a lot of times if they come right overhead, we're done because right. they're, how do you get top cover 
in the police. That's what I don't like about that. But I people know. do it all the it's time. It's tough. It's tough. And that's and you me. seem to have a lot of success doing that. Well, <laughs> I just talked to somebody about this the other day. You know how many phones I've ruined because I was down on my knees in the toilet <laughs> in waist deep water, got down on my knees and my water's up here because I'm trying to get so low. You know, that's that's probably why at the time, like, or we sit on our marsh seats and just really crouch down, but yeah, you're fine in the morning and the evening. It's when you hit that 10 to two o'clock time that the yeah. sun is straight down on top of you and you make you get that black hole. And it's just like, oh, so frustrating. We think you get walking around in there. You've got yourself, your bag, everywhere you walk, you inevitably walk, walk a circle. And so that, that impression yeah. keeps growing throughout the day. You got your dog, your dog stand, but like, I know Jordan hunts a lot like that. You seem to hunt a lot like that. And you guys seem to, to have quite a bit of success with that. I never feel confident unless I either have trees, layout boat, um, stand up blind, panel blind. I, I don't hardly, if they're not trees involved, I never feel comfortable just sitting in, sitting in for mallards now sitting in cattails, but you seem to have a lot of success doing it. I wonder well, if I it, overestimate. It's, no, it's just that that's our, in those places like that, that's our only option. You have to like, I, I hate it. You should hear me out there hunting how much for the, over the years I've said that I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Cause like, I know it. Cause they inevitably it. circle. Yes. And it kills our success ratio. It's like, if it, but what do you do about it? Like, I literally thought of putting an umbrella up over well, my what head. What about and, a stand up like a final approach stand up line? How come you don't use any of those like oh, A-frame man, stand up haul lines? that in. in your just, boat? Can't you just haul it in your boat? Well, I'm more talking about like walking in. And, most of that stuff right. is usually refuges walking yeah. that we're even hunting toolies. It's not Pull, really ever. Pulling those on dikes. Yeah. Pulling oh. a big old brushed A-frame on a dike no. sucks. Yeah. That's why I always had Aiden do it. (laughs) I just use, I try to use shadows. My biggest thing is using Uh shadows in the morning or in the afternoon and Mm getting those shadows. And that's, that's where it does. Like you said, dog, the dog stand irritates me the most because for me, I feel like personally dog stands are way too big, built too big. The platform Mm -hmm. is way bigger than it needs to be. Yeah. Like I'm not against my dog laying down in a slow hunt, but at the same time, and like, my goodness, it's a what is it like? Is it a three by three foot? If you buy the what is that? How big is that piece? Yeah, it probably is three by three. Yeah, it's it huge. Is. And mm. if you're looking at the footprint that that's going to make in a patch of toys, that that's a right that giveaway to the birds every time. Yeah, you got to so brush like, those. I want to make one. No, they do. Mo Marsh does make the one with the actual cover over it, and then you can brush it up. I have found. When yeah. I'm hunting in toolies, that that's that's the game changer. That helped. That's helped me a lot of times. Yeah, um, it's very expensive, but it's definitely worth it. Um, the other thing is, is like why I've thought about patenting and designing and making my own dog stand. Not only does it fold up really small, so it's easy to carry with you, mm-hmm. but like the platform of it is just enough for that dog's hind end to be sitting on. You know, what yeah. I mean? like the problem with that is over long hours. I know, I know. I was kind of like more dog. thinking like just something that's a good two three hour deal where you know you're in the afternoon and you're not going to be out there all day but you know what i want to see made is a sled that turns into a dog stand Hmm. so somehow i was thinking about what that would look like so on the inside of it you would have the legs would collapse they would like scissor collapse flat 
and you would make them, you'd probably have to make them fairly um, light. And then on the, on the bottom side, this is the kicker because you have to have it. Uh, you have to have something for the dog to have traction and not slip and slide around. So on the inside of the, the sled would be these scissor legs. And then you pop those open, flip it over. And the dog is able to stand on the top uh, that the big thing about a dog is hide. The biggest pain yeah. in the ass about a dog is hide. And especially yeah. if you're walking in a mile, you have to, that hide is sucks to, right. to get in there. Right. Exactly. So if you could somehow have a sled slash hide, dog yeah. hide, or it would just be a stand. It wouldn't be a hide. It'd just be a dog stand. Cause you can actually, some, you can get away with a dog stand without the cover thing a lot of times. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, you said though, it is such a pain in the rear. I, if it wasn't worth the dog's worth, I hate carrying a dog stand out, like yep. just putting it in a sled and it's just, uh, or moving it. It's buried in the mud. You're jerking out of there. Like I hate it, but I, there's no way I'd go without. But you know, I've got this year, I made a deal. Let's see what you see what you think of this deal. I sold my, uh, I sold an H 12 and those are valued at about $900. And in return, I got a small sled, a pretty small one. I got one of those Momarsh and Visimans chairs that like Josh has, and I got a pullable um, cart. And so with what I think I can do with that cart, if I use ratchet straps, I think I can put the Momarsh on top of it and then the dog stand on top of that. And if I just take in like six decoys on a motion ducks spreader system, mm -hmm. I think with that cart, I can pull all that in there as long as it's not like if it's a dike or I've got one walk in place that's really easy walk in, but it's like almost a mile. Mm -hmm. And I think I can pull all of that on that, on that one sled. So do, what do you think about that trade off an H 12 kayak for those three items? The, okay. Which one, which Momarsh was it? You said the Invisiman? Yeah. That, you know, that chair that Josh has the actual that, sit up, like look like a yes. camping chair with the cover thing over. Yeah, and you lean back on it a little bit, right? Right, right. So okay, that's a different it, one because there's two. There's a there's an Invisa. What is it called? There's an Invisa man, and there's an Invisa chair. This you is like you probably got the Invisa man. I think so. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Which it yeah. is a chair, but so I'm not sure of the difference between the two. But. Yeah, well, the one you like pretty black, like a layout kind of. I mean, you're mm -hmm. kind of up. The chair is literally looks like a camping chair, and you sit. Yeah, this in. isn't the chair. It's the other one. Okay. Yeah, I actually have the Invisman myself as well, and it's a pretty slick. I've actually had it in some some of my videos. Mm -hmm. It is pretty heavy being brushed up, but I think that idea, I like that idea, especially like your settings. I think that will work great. In yeah, a lot of the settings because uh, I have. have been pulling even with a big sled. I think I could get those things on there because a lot of times we'll roll up a river in our boat, and I'll have my kayak on the boat. And then it's like only a 200 yard drag, but you get a, a 12 foot kayak with all your gear in it through the woods. It's still, it's not yeah. so bad going in, going out, everything's wet. It's, yeah. it kind of sucks. I'm like, I could probably do the same thing with the big ass sled I've got. It'd probably yeah. still be lighter. And, and those items on that sled, dragging them through the woods. Yep. No, I think you'll like it. I really do. I think you'll really like it. I think that's a great idea. So I thought was, I already had two H 12s and my dad's done layout hunting. So I'm like, I think that was a pretty good. Oh, and I got 300 bucks on top. I got 300 bucks and those three things. Wow. Actually. So that's a, that's a, you made some good money off that kayak. Yeah. Well, I was looking at the price. Are they, are actually, they almost 2000? 
those kayak no, the, the kayak is uh no brand new they're like 900 okay that's why the h12 is such a good route to go because it will do everything except unless you want a long tail on it if you don't want a long tail on it it's going to do everything that your traditional layout boats are going to do and it's way lighter and it's less expensive and the the northern flight blind fits on it perfectly if you're looking for a non-motor layout boat then you should my opinion is you should go kayak yeah oh 100 and i i like the inside kayak the sit-in kayaks i don't like the the on top ones yeah i'm not big on those either thomas has had them before i'm just like it feels like it's more unstable personally but I feel the same way. Now, Josh used them a lot and had no problem, but yeah. And you're not going to haul gear in them the same way you are. No, no. I said it neither. The H12, I mean, it, it can get, it can hold quite a bit. I mean, I can yeah. get like 20 decoys and all my gear in it in a dog stand. What's, um, what brand is H12 again? Ascend. Ascend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Bass Pro, Cabela's. If you can get them there, they're hard, kind of hard to find. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's move on. This is an interesting question. I've been thinking about this one ever since I got it, and I'm still not quite sure how to answer it. Um, if you can duck hunt with anyone that you haven't duck hunted before, who would it be? That I haven't duck hunted with yeah. yet? If there's one person on the planet, like I can pick one person to duck hunt on the planet, who would it be? I really think, right, like right now, it, stuff changes over time. I think I'd really like to hunt with Kirk McCullough. I really do. I like that guy is so serious about duck hunting and he, he's late sixties or something. And he is just like, I feel like he's more passionate than he now than he was then. He, at least he says that mm-hmm. he really intrigued me. I really, I think that guy has some, he's, you should listen to that podcast. I did with him, Elliot, this, the stuff that he says in there, I was like, I have never thought of that. Like he really brings some good to the table. Yeah, so, I'll have to do that. It sounds. It sounds I might regret sure. saying that later. I mean, not that I re- would regret. He's a real him. jerk. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 he ain't. He's a super nice guy. I'm just thinking, like, I'll probably be like, oh, I should have said him, or you know, whatever. But yeah, yeah I, I feel like I would really, really like to hunt with him. Yeah, this is a pretty canned, generic answer, but I, I think so much of Stephen Ranella. I just think he is such a great ambassador for the sport of hunting. Mm-hmm. that I, I would love to share a duck blind with him. Um, I would love to take someone like that on one of my duck hunts, not go on with them. Like you're a guest, come with me, yeah. come stay in my house and let me show you, you know, cause I consider myself just the common average waterfowl hunter, but I've 
carved out some places that are very unique and very isolated in doing that, that I'm proud of. Um, so I, that, that would probably be my answer on it. Yeah. All right. What do we want to hit next here? Uh, man, we've I'm getting, I'm saving one for comment of the week. <laughs> um, do you think non-resident hunting license should cost more than they do from state to state? This is from a Sibin Morgan, S-I-E-B-E-N-M. I don't know. I mean, I know everybody does it, but I mean, it brings more money to the to that state you're hunting in. Do do I think it's right? I don't. I don't know. I really don't know if I have an answer for that. Yeah. I'm so used to it. It's like I don't know. It doesn't change it. Change me from going. Well, I, I don't mind it, I guess. When I go somewhere else, I'm like, I'm not like, oh, this is ridiculous. I don't really ever think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, there's other questions on here about the whole Kansas non-resident thing. And this is kind of a side question of that. And I'm kind of tired of talking about that. I've talked so much about it and gone over it so much that I'm, I, I kind of want to stay away from the topic. But I will say that I believe that the residents of each state should feel as though they have priority over non-residents in some way, shape or form. And I'm not sure how that, what it should be. I don't think the way that they're doing it in Kansas. I mean, I've gone back and forth on the Kansas thing. And as of right now, I'm completely opposed to it um, because I think it'll have implications 10 years, 15 years from now. I think we'll go, Oh my God, we should never have gone down that path. Look where we are now. Maybe it's they we can't hunt past one anymore or even lottery systems someplace. We what's so wonderful about Kansas waterfowl hunting is you can truly freelance on public. You can mm-hmm. when you want, you can do what you want. And now it's like they're gonna get us on this regulatory path that that's just gonna pretty soon it's gonna be like, Oh, what day can we hunt here? Oh, remember yeah. you can only take fifteen shells. What time do we have to be out of the marsh? Oh, is this a I mean it's gonna be you know, I can go out to public on Kansas and just free will it and be free and feel free. Yeah. And, and, and I don't, I don't know any hardcore waterfowler that's been in Kansas that says, damn, I can't get away from other people. I don't know any of them. Mm-hmm. These guys that are crying about it are not trying hard enough because I, I don't find it difficult. I mean, you were, you were with me in Kansas. We never had problems. No. At that place. That's one of the premier places in the state. That's why I'm blown away by that argument. I'm like, what are these guys talking about? Like, I can't look. I, I would say you can get away from people three times easier there than you can here. And even here, I can get away from people. In California. Right. Yeah. Like, how can you say right. that? Well, the bottoms, I think, can be really crowded sometimes but in the you place you hunt. you one place. Right. Well, and, and you take that- the place you hunted in Kansas, you're talking about, um, that was in the Southeast part of the state. The, the Southeast part of the state can be on a couple of complexes can yeah. be really, really crowded. But then I turn around and say, okay, yes, those places can be really, really crowded. Let me show you my bird per hunt average of those places. It's fairly impressive. And on the opening day of the last split, there was a ton of people there and I had yeah. my kayak. I was still 500 yards from the closest <laughs> guy and I shot my limit easily. Yeah. I don't know, but Going back to the original point, the residents of Kansas should feel that they have priority in some way. And if that means that hunting licenses are maxed, I think the most you could charge for hunting license in Kansas by the state regulations or legislations is either 100, I think it's 125. 
and they have not maxed it out. So why not max it out um, to, to show the residency of but why not say, okay, um, opening the first opening week of, of any opener and of the late split that's non-res or that's residents only something to say, we know you live here. This is your backyard and we are going to show you that we prioritize you in this fashion. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely believe, believe that. Yeah. I Cause agree. there is something that's hard when you go to a boat ramp and there's 10 trucks and five or six of them are out of state. I don't even know why it matters, but there's something you see it and you're just like, ugh. And I'm not, why should I, I don't know. I don't know any of them. I don't know any of the people in these trucks. Yeah. So there's like a tribalism, I guess. Yeah. About it's like, quit coming here. Just, you know, but yeah. I, I don't know the resident. Why should I care about a resident that I, that I don't know more than an out of state person? I don't right. know. Right. I think it's just tribalism. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's a good point. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, this is vague. But, and he did clarify it for me, but, um, he said, what do you think? This is not Luke Hansen. What do you think about the path waterfowl hunting is heading towards good or bad? And I'm, I'm going to have Bobby Hayes back on and he and I are going to talk extensively about this. Cause I'm curious of his take on it. I, I asked this guy to be more specific and he messaged me back and he was mentioned TikTok specifically. So I think he's talking social media do you feel like the young guns with all the social media are heading us in a bad direction or do you think our direction is still a good direction i think it's still in a good direction i think i don't know i feel like that stuff like tiktok is just i don't know why i can't think of a better word than seasonal maybe faddish mm-hmm. i just feel like it is elliot like i don't know i could be wrong i hope i'm right i hope i'm right um but I just feel like that stuff is people when something's new, say like TikTok, the guys that jump on the bandwagon first always get the most most growth, right? And they always fare better. But once it peaks out and caps out, they fall off. People mm-hmm. fall off. They move on to the next thing. And maybe there's gonna be some other social media platform that does that and takes it even farther. I mean, who knows? I've heard some things about people saying how social media is is on the downward trend, like they've kind of packed, they've kind of capped out all the things that they could possibly do, which I don't know if I believe that or not, but it's kind of like, okay, what's going to be the next big thing? Is it really going to be another social media page? Is it really going to be another? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's a question I just don't know the answer to, but I really don't think that's what's going to take us out. I think it's just, people in leadership positions that weren't raised like we were and that are against it and really liberal with things and wanting to shut things down and change restrictions and add restrictions. And I think that's really the problem. I think more than the social media thing, I don't think that's, what's going to destroy us. I think it's just people that don't, 
have the same ethics and values that we do and and make everything so bad hunting's bad poor right. birds and poor you, you know you hunters are bad people that's what i think is going to get us and maybe that social media exposes that more that might be why that's just social media is just a tool and like a way to get that out there but it's the people that are going to make it like that i think i would just ask i I think it needs to be a case-by-case basis it's like what are we talking about are we talking about uh, on social media on reels i put kill shots on there for example yeah um on i do a lot of reels where or no actually i've been doing a lot of instagram short or sorry youtube shorts they've made it very very easy to take your videos on youtube and cut them into little shorts they've made it very very easy to do and so oh man i i can't even tell you how many i've put out for your hunt stuff yeah uh in 30 minutes i can prep 10 12 shorts and i'll put out that program the yeah. program, the way they have it set up now, I'll have to talk to you about that. Oh my gosh. It's it's and so I for a while I was putting out five or six a day. Uh for about the first hour and a half to two hours, they get good views. And as soon as I see those views flatline out, boom, I drop another one. And the reason I've been doing it is they don't make a lot of money. They make like God, 15 cents per thousand views or something just stupid like that. But um my subscriber, I was just trying to build some subscriber base. And so I went from getting like 30 or 40 subscribers in a month to like 150. Really? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, the subscribers were, that's why I was doing it. And it's fun. I like going through my old hunts and I like chopping them up like that. And and we'll talk more about it, but it's like to, to answer the question is like that type of social media bad. I'm trying to think, well, if, if we're showing hunters and doing unethical things, yes, it's bad. Yeah. If you're just showing people hunting, doing what they do, it's good or bad. So like kill shots back to kill shots. So kill shots seen by non hunters who have not been exposed to animal death in their lives is is going to be unsettling. In fact, on those YouTube shorts, you get way more anti hunter comment than you do on your regular videos. Like it's a normal hmm. thing on those to get anti hunter comments. Just get pushed wh- out to a different. I guess. I guess so. Like- I, I guess huh. it is. So if I stop and think about that, if I am constantly five times a day pushing out 15 to 60 seconds worth of seeing kill shots to people who are not used to animal death, what is that doing to those people? The people, how many people are seeing that and having a negative reaction to it? And long term, if you're doing it, I do it, Jordan does it, everyone knows it's a constant bombardment mm. of kill shots presented to people that, that are not accustomed to animal death. Is that negative? I think this is the first time I've really even thought about it. And I'm not saying I'm not ready to stop doing it, but I think that there's a discussion to be had of overall jamming that in people's face when they're not used to animal death could be negative for the sport um even though there's nothing nothing wrong with it yeah what are your thoughts that actually yeah that does make sense i guess it just makes it look like we're always all about the killing yeah so that i can see that for sure and that's usually you're forced you're almost forced to do that because that's all people care about when they do watch it but you have the other group of people that don't like it so (laughs) right and That's I've got of, some reels that are scenic reels that my favorite reels from duck hunting season are I pick a song I like and I'm showing the sunrise and the sunset and maybe the pile of birds, you know, and I really, really like those. But when I'm going through a hunt and I'm like, oh, I need real that I and I need good content, I'm going right for kill shots. 
Yeah. I'm going, I'm going right for kill shots. So yeah. I don't know. I think definitely that needs to be more thought. I don't want to be doing anything that's negative for the sport. Um, yeah. That does make a lot of sense though. Cause I mean, it could, it definitely could throw that off. And it's funny that the, the people that are coming are people that usually probably aren't watching your hunt, regular hunt videos. Mm-hmm. So it just shows that doing reels are not reels. Um, what'd you say? Uh, shorts shorts on YouTube definitely hits a different group of people, which is good if you're trying to grow and it's obviously mm-hmm. working for you, but now you're getting those other people in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I, I don't negative comments. Don't like that. Don't bother me. I right. just don't want to be inappropriately representing. Light in right. I do definitely try to limit if the bird hits the ground um, and you see it swimming wounded and there's a secondary yeah. shot. Um, I'll put that stuff in my video. Cause I, I don't, I, it's fine. I think, but in those shorts, I definitely don't want to have things like that, but yeah, no, I'm I don't with know. you. I've learned, I've learned how to edit things lately because of that, like offending people. Not that you got to base everything around that. Cause you just can't, but mm-hmm. you, like you said, you don't want to make it look, make hunters look bad. Yeah. Just so, cause it's not yeah. wrong. Doesn't mean that it's not going to have a negative impact on right people's perception of the sport yeah we definitely don't want to be growing a negative impression of the sport because as we talked before i don't remember which episode today we talked about if we have a population crash crash of ducks where now you can only hunt 60 days a year and kill two ducks per hunt and then the number of hunting license sales tremendously drops and then all of a sudden something happens in the society where uh, maybe some things come out on social media people hunting and and this huge tidal wave of negativity towards waterfowl hunting starts it's certainly possible yeah. to see the sport disappear not yeah. probably not likely but there's a scenario you can put together yep that and i so i you don't want to be perpetuating any kind of negative connotation to hunting yeah we don't want to be the one the ones that love it the most don't want to be the ones that are part of taking it down right yeah, yeah. so that's 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 definitely something we're thinking about yeah more. yeah just to be aware of. Yeah. Well, I think that's the last question that I want to hit. Is there anything else that, that uh, you want to talk about or thoughts you have about anything? No, I think these went really well. I do too. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think I'm glad we didn't do six hours, <laughs> 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 but honestly we could, I like, if we needed to, we hundred percent could, I know you could. Well, we I have been talking. on, we have been on for five hours now. Yeah. So we, we, we haven't did. gotten, Five maybe once I get you. maybe once I get some lunch and get rolling again, I'll be good. But <laughs> yeah, well, this we, has been great. I think this was awesome and knocked a lot of content out and good, a lot of good conversations. Yeah, I agree. Well, as always, I really enjoy having you on here, and I appreciate you um, helping me grow what I'm doing by letting me be on on your podcast. Same and I, here. I just tell you guys again, if you don't tune into the MVM show or mid Valley mercenary YouTube channel, make sure that you check that out. And again, if you have anything to add to these conversations or things that you feel like we made mistakes on or disagree with, please contact us. Cause those secondary conversations are, are important um, to help Titus and I both fully develop our thoughts, our feelings, our ethics. And so reach out to us and, and share any, anything you'd like freelance duck hunting or mid Valley mercenary at, at Instagram is a great place to do that. So, yeah. all right. Well, until next time you have listened to another episode of the North American waterfowler podcast. Yeah.